Welcome to Training and Assessment Professional Development. So lately we've been delivering a lot of courses around change and relationship building because, you know, this year we've obviously gone through a very tumultuous time. People have been working from home. Now training is starting up again face-to-face and people are coming back into the workforce, uh, not working from home so much anymore. So I wanted to give you some tips on if if you're delivering some training about um, building relationships, having greater collaboration, creativity, because things might be getting done differently. Projects start to happen now. Um, Lots of things are going to start to progress. And you want your clients to have tools to be able to be ready for that delivery. So one of the sessions I delivered recently was building productive and collaborative working relationships. And I want to tell you about the tools that I've used in the workshop. It was only a three and a half hour workshop. We had lots and lots of activities. We were not bogged down with a workbook. We were actually up doing activities and it was really powerful because a lot of people, as they're doing hands-on stuff, they really understood the concepts. So one of the things we looked at was Tuckman's team um, development method, uh, the model that's used, which is really around the behaviours and the tasks. And I really reiterated to them about when you've got teams that come together and they're able to Um, perform together, they're able to go through and get the results, they've got to go through different stages. And so the stages are the forming, the storming, the norming and the performing. And it looks at the behaviours and the tasks. So have a look at the Tuckman's team development model and see if that's something that is really going to be beneficial in your delivery of training around building collaborative relationships. And remember to remind your clients that this process has to be done every time. People come out of the project management team, new people come in, they've got to start that process again. And the other thing to remember is that you cannot miss a step because it just won't work effectively. All right, so making sure. The other thing we look at is Perception is projection. And so how we perceive something, that's how we then respond and and react. And I use the very, very simple diagram, the drawing of what does someone see? And this is really effective because what we see is sometimes how we then project information or ideas or behaviours. And so that was a really important thing to look at. And in this, what was interesting, in this um, specific group that I recently delivered to, everyone saw one the same image. They knew they had seen a different image at some time previously when they've looked at it, but this particular time, the whole group of, of about 20 saw the same image, and I won't tell you which one that is. So that's something else to have a look at. The other thing that's really powerful is people understand their understanding their emotions, right? So I have a couple of handouts where people are able to express a certain number of um, emotions. Now, I've been working with emotional intelligence for a really long time. And one of the things that um, Brene Brown does some work and she talks about emotions and people being able to um, articulate as many emotions as possible Now, in my experience over the years that I've been doing this, so more than 10 years, 
people get up to about three, between three and five emotions. And then they get stuck. Mostly it's at the third emotion. You know, so they talk about anger, sadness, happiness, and then they go, um, um, um. And what's interesting is if we can expand people's emotional vocabulary, then that changes how people perceive things and feel about things because they're going, um, they might have thought they were angry. And we had a really powerful discussion where someone had had left a hot plate on at home and, and they were kind of really blasé about it. That was the perception. But in fact, his wife was fearful that possibly fearful that the house was going to burn down. So it wasn't anger, it was more fear, which you'll find when you can expand your emotional vocabulary, you can actually identify what you're really feeling. So that's a powerful exercise in getting people to expand on their emotions and maybe do an activity around that. um, And also have a look at Brene Brown's um, emotions Uh, She has a whole list and you should be able to get to between, I think they're saying 30 and 40 emotions, which people kind of go, huh, how do I get 30 or 40 emotions? The next thing that we look at is values and beliefs because our values drive us. So thinking about our values being our unconscious motivators, uh, they are what's most important to us and determine behaviour and form a basis of what we do with our time. So when we understand if you think of team dynamics, when you understand your values and beliefs, and then you can understand your team's values and beliefs, you can work more congruently. So it's really important to get them to go through a values elicitation process where they look at maybe between um, uh, 30 to 50 values, breaking those values down because you have some crossover in values, breaking those down to about 10 to 20, and then breaking that down to your top five values. And when you actually elicit your real top five values, then you can see why you do what you do, how you work the way you work, what's important to you, what drives you, all of those things come to mind. And then I also brought into it Brene Brown has this amazing book called Dare to Lead. And when you start looking into the concepts within this book, you start to look at leadership in a different way and can actually um, encourage other forms of leadership that are going to be more. And she talks about being modeling clarity, kindness, and hope. And, you know, one of the things that she's talking about there is if what's under cynicism and sarcasm is despair, the antidote is cultivating hope, which I think is really beautiful. And so you can have a look at that. So that's in Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, which you can pick up at at any bookstore, order it online. But um, look at page 93 and you'll see um, a really good uh, model where she's talking about modelling leadership. And, of course, when we look at this, um, I do another handout in that process. And also we want to increase people's emotional intelligence and their ability to ask better questions. So we then have sections about what does a powerful question look like? Now, oftentimes when you're teaching people how to communicate, we want to teach people how to communicate but how to listen If you ask a question, you want to listen to the answer, not suggest an answer, because we know that people will 
grab onto an answer that has been suggested if they're uncertain about what's really going on for them. So powerful questions. And I talk about there being a shift in how we communicate and the results we can obtain when we learn how to ask better questions. And so simply getting people to ask what specifically do you mean by that and waiting for the answer to come. We also went into eye patterns and understanding where if people are sourcing information, if they're seeking something that they want to recall or if they're feeling something, we can get a better understanding of how someone's communicating, especially if we ask them a question and we see them searching for information. And you can do this through eye patterns. So when I demonstrated this, I actually get a couple of people to sit down and I ask them the questions and all I ask everyone to do is observe what's happening with their face and their eyes specifically. And I asked a simple question such as, what was the first car you ever owned? What did you eat for dinner on Tuesday night? And what was the name of the last song you listened to? And what was super powerful is one of the um, one of the clients in my previous session that I delivered, um, she went straight to kinesthetic where she recalled how it made her feel. And it was actually because she has children, it was the song from, from Moana that makes her feel happy and she really enjoys it. So she says it's forced listening, but it's actually a good song. So then we go into another section, which is called difficult conversations right? So when you are building collaboration within teams, there's going to be difficult conversations. And this is where people hold back. They're hesitant to have a difficult conversation because they have fear. So we talk about the acronym of fear and false evidence appearing real. So when people can understand that they are telling a story, they are less hesitant to have a difficult conversation because we shouldn't anticipate what's going to happen so much so that it stops us from doing it. We can just be aware. The story I'm telling myself is, and this is a great exercise to do with someone who can say, the story I'm telling myself is they're going to get upset. Okay, if they get upset, what does this mean? Because that could be true. And we talked about this. Sometimes the story is false, false evidence appearing real, Sometimes the story is true and that means that we can be prepared. If this happens, what do I do next? So having difficult conversations is only difficult because we perceive something as happening that maybe is not so good or feels negative or we're fearful of. So that's a great exercise to have. And what I did is I get them to think about a situation. What was the situation? What was the story you're telling yourself? And what was the outcome? Okay. The other thing we do is we do a practice around what's called perceptual positioning. Now, if anyone's worked with, anyone's done any NLP work, you would understand what perceptual positioning is. And that's where we have position one. And I actually put these on A4 sheets of paper and I laminate them. And I have position one self, position two other, and position three. And I call it the wise sage. And you put them on the floor and you stand in those positions. So have a look at, um, do a bit of research around perceptual positions and you'll see how this can be very powerful. And in fact, this exercise was one of the most powerful activities that everyone did. They got so much from it because they actually went through a um, process of a problem, looking at it from themselves, looking at it from the other person's perspective, and then having the wise sage 
advise them? What would you have me know? Why save? And very powerful when you're dealing with a difficult problem at work or even a difficult problem in your personal life. And so, again, looking at it from your perspective, the other person's perspective and the wise sage. So look that up because that's really powerful. So if you're doing a short workshop on building collaboration and a better team engagement, building relationships, there's some really powerful activities that you can use in your training to be able to get people really engaged and getting the learnings so that they've got something that they can take away and implement into their workplace straight away. So I hope that you have enjoyed this and you get something from it. And we have a lot more podcasts coming up. So if you also think someone will get something from this podcast, I hope that makes sense, but there might be some activities that are useful. Please feel free to share it with them. Get them to um, subscribe to YouTube or download the podcast and become a listener. Uh, Can't wait till next time. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.